Hello and Merry Christmas from Daisy and Claire. We just wanted to hop on um, before the episode to thank you for listening um, and wish you a wonderful end of 2021. We're really sorry that we've been away for a little bit longer than we expected, but we are back with some new episodes starting right here. We've left behind to fill any uh, religious or Nicolas Cage cravings you might have this festive season. Uh, we also want to apologise for any dips in the audio commentary of this episode. We do address it at the top of the episode. I had just a few microphone issues, so I'm not as crisp as I would like. But hopefully you will still enjoy. This episode was also actually originally recorded in April. Um, at the time, Pig had not been released. So when we get to our top three films, please understand, I didn't know the joy that was Pig um, when we were doing them. My top three list would have been incredibly different. I've also now watched Conair and everyone was right. It's fab. Um, so we'll see you in 2022 with more of the worst Hollywood has to offer. And we hope you enjoy the episode. W-rated, the podcast where we willingly watch the world's worst rated movies. Today's episode, we'll be looking at our eighth film on IMDb's Bottom 100. For those who don't know, my name is Daisy, and as always, I'm joined by podcast co-creator and co-host Claire. What is happening, Claire? How are you doing? Um, we've been trying to start this episode for 40 minutes. <laughs> my laptop broke, your internet broke. The whole recording platform broke. We broke. My microphone is now broke, so I'm on some very classy old school Apple headphones. Let's see what this sounds like. I look forward to the edit. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit of a. I feel I just get a vibe that something doesn't want us to talk about this today. Uh, yeah. This film, and I, I guess as we sort of start talking about the theme of the film, maybe there's a bit of conspiracy here. But uh, <laughs> we'll jump into that shortly. Um, we have the pleasure of having another special guest on the podcast today. Very excited to introduce the founder of pop culture site Cinematique and Roller legend Kira hello Kira <laughs> how are you doing I'm not too bad how are you well as we just said we've had a bit of a rigmarole that you've been here for <laughs> yeah it's a bit ignorant now asking the question doesn't it <laughs> yeah how are you well you've seen me break down over the yeah. last 40 minutes yeah. so <laughs> hopefully uh it's it's pretty smooth I was gonna say smooth sailing but we're gonna say smooth flying considering the film that we're doing today um so Kira, as a bit of a tradition, what we do on the podcast with our guests, um, as the guest has chosen the film that they want to talk about, would you like to do the honours of, of telling the listeners today what the film is that we're talking about and why you chose it for the podcast today? Um, well, the film we're going to be talking about today is Left Behind. And the reason I picked it is because Nick Cage, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> any more explanation than that really do you exactly exactly it tells you all you need to know precisely precisely so as um kira mentioned um the film we're talking about today is left behind uh left behind as it has a 3.1 star rating out of 10 on imdb <clears throat> making it number 34 on the ranking of bottom 100 um for those who don't know it came out in 2014 it's an american apocalyptic thriller directed by Vic Armstrong. Now, Vic Armstrong is apparently a bit of a legend in the stunt work uh, 
industry. Um, he did stunts for I Am Legend, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man and Die Another Day, just to name a few. Um, and the film was written by uh, Paul Lalonde and John Paytas, who actually wrote um, a, a, a selection of films that were also based on the book that this one, this film was based on, which I'm sure we'll dive into in a little bit. <laughs> As Kira mentioned, it stars Nicolas Cage. It also stars Chad Michael Murray, uh, Kevin Thompson. Yeah, little woo. <laughs> Cassie Thompson, Nikki Whelan and Jordan Sparks as mentioned it is based on a novel um, that was out in 1995 of the same name and basically it uh, looks at a small group of survivors that are left behind see what I did there after millions of people suddenly vanish and the world is plunged into chaos and destruction Kira have you seen this film before? <laughs> no, no I, I've only seen it for, the, for this podcast amazing and there is a reason why. Yeah, well, well, precisely, precisely. Claire, are you in the same boat? Because I am. <laughs> yeah, my relationship to the film was that Kira said she wanted to do it and I watched it and I didn't know what it was about. I barely knew the name of the film, let alone the plot or any context. So I, yeah, well, it was an experience. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I, I know that Nick Cage and Planes sort of have a bit of a relationship. But I kept thinking that this film was... Is it M Night Shyamalan's The Following? Is it that? Is that the one I'm thinking of? I can't remember. But he's there's a, there's Nick Cage in a plane in that as well. I think I've oh. seen Nick Cage in Conair with a plane. So I think they all merged into my mind. And I remember <clears throat> um, it was quite a while ago now when we first started the podcast, Claire, when we were um, on a Filmageddon stream and they were talking about Nick Cage films. I think we were going for everyone's IMDb. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you were on that one and talking about like what films we'd seen or whatever. And then that one popped up. I went, oh. That one's on the list. I shall be seeing you very soon. And then, yeah, literally knew nothing about it other than that. Kira, tell us a little bit more about what about Nick Cage gets you interested in his filmography. I mean, that is a very good question. <laughs> I mean, that's like that's like an essay question. Right? It is. It is like in, in the next, you know, ten thousand words, I'm going to explain to you my affinity to Nick Cage. Like, I I don't know what the draw is. I, I remember I started watching a lot of his films after watching Face Off years ago. Mm. And that's when I first became aware of this film. But I didn't watch it. Mm. Um, but all I knew was that it basically hadn't made a cinema release. And it was kind of around... I, I want to say, like, the man went bankrupt. And this was, like, peak bankruptcy era Nick Cage. I love that that's not the tour story he tells, though. Oh, does he tell what? a story? I don't think I've I've heard the story. I mean, I might have just said fake news there, and if I have, I oh, no, no, he definitely had like a load of money issues, and he tells that story. But for this specific film, he's like, oh no, my brother is like really religious and a big fan of the books, and so I did thing. it for him. Like, yeah, all right, all right. <laughs> well, as soon as you bring religion into it, though, like no one can argue, can they? So. <laughs> That's uh, what this film hoped. If, if that's if that's what you're using to save face, then by all means take it. Um, but yeah, like I, I I'll watch a Nicolas Cage film now, and I don't have a problem. He's, he's having a pretty good run at the minute, but this mm. just seemed like, you know, it was a gap in mm. my knowledge and experience and just life in general. Like it was, <laughs> I felt was like I was missing something. <laughs> there was a void there, and and this yeah. film was there. And yeah. watched it, yeah. and there's a lot to say about it. You could say it's created a bigger void. You know? 
<laughs> so much so that millions of people have just disappeared through that void. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I think we're ready. I think we're chomping at the bit to just get get down with this film straight away. So I guess, I mean, just quickly before we do, Claire, I don't know about you, but did you have any thoughts going in? Because I was just like, right, this is Nick Cage. Whatever happens is going to be at least entertaining, surely. Did you think the same? I totally thought it was just like a disaster movie. I didn't know. I I literally knew nothing other than Nick Cage. And I think the poster has like an aeroplane with some fire. I was like, oh, like it's going to be just like a lazy Nick Cage Mm. action thriller. I mean, technically... It kind of was, but there was like quite a lot of other stuff going on around it yeah. that I was a, a bit... A little bit of religion in there for spice, you know? <laughs> just, just, a, just a light sprinkling. Just a little light sprinkling. Yeah, no, this is heavy-handed over... <laughs> over Bashing you over the head with a Bible. Like. <laughs> yeah. So that's the seasoning. <laughs> Whoops, the lid fell off the container. Yeah. <laughs> In case you hadn't already worked out, uh, this film has, um, well, the book that it's based on not only has a lot of religious connotations, but is essentially built around the narrative of the apocalypse, specifically from Bible stories. Um, so spoiler warning ahead now, we're going to dive a bit more into the plot itself. So if you do want to go away and watch this, give us a pause now and then come back. Otherwise, welcome to spoiler territory. So left behind... Um, it, basically follows Nicolas Cage's character. He is a commercial airline pilot called Ray Steele. Uh, points for the name, right? I mean, it's a porn name. Yeah. but I mean, you definitely know he stood there when he was rehearsing for that role. He's definitely stood there in the bathroom mirror with his aviators on, taking them <laughs> off. I'm Ray Steele. Ray. Like, that's, that's definitely... And he definitely tried it in the bedrooms in the last <laughs> You heard it here first, guys. You heard it here first. <laughs> so this uh, this character of Ray Steele, yeah, I mean, it's specifically what Kira said, it's got very much that air about him that he's been staring himself yeah. in the mirror for a long he time. He can swing it around a bit. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he can swing it around a bit. You've got, you got to watch your eyes when he's about. You might poke it out. I'm literally oh. not going to be able to get through this plot at this rate. I'm already in hysterics. <laughs> This is already 10 times more entertaining than the film that we're about to discuss. (laughs) So yeah, big old Ray Steele. He is basically a commercial airline pilot. He has a wife, uh, a daughter and a son. Um, The wife um, is religious and it's implied um, in the beginning of the film that there's a lot of uh, tension between the family because she didn't used to be religious, but now she is and kind of like, just it's not gelling with with the rest of her family and they also call her crazy a lot and it's not very nice <laughs> you get the wonderful line like if she's gonna leave me for another man at least it might as well be jesus christ <laughs> that's the only other man that could top him <laughs> <laughs> there were some really great lines in this i have to, it has to be said great great because they're so bad that they're good absolutely which is exactly what i expected when i start when i started realizing what this film was actually about um, and the setup for this family is that the daughter has come back from college to see her dad for his birthday, but his dad has been, um, quote unquote, called to work uh, for a flight when actually, you know, he planned it for a little while in advance. 
it's implied that maybe he's having an affair and it's just oh he definitely is (laughs) oh he He definitely definitely is is. (laughs) it's Ray Steele lads you know (laughs) it would be it would be totally out of character for someone called Ray Steele to not be having an affair (laughs) um and basically that's the setup you know lots of tension um along the way when the the dad and the daughter sort of like meet at the airport because she kind of works out what he's doing um there's an investigative investigative journalist that gets uh involved because just some other conversations that have won't get into too much detail and um, but he's actually on ray Steele's flight now the big sort of moment in this film is that after all of that melodrama for guys what about like 30 minutes 45 minutes like a while very lifetime vibes mm-hmm. i thought exactly the same yeah. thing my second note is like, like, where's the disaster where's the disaster <laughs> it was the music i mean yeah. we'll, we'll have to talk about the music later in detail but just, yeah the music yeah um but basically they there's this disaster quote unquote the daughter is with the young uh brother in the mall and then all of a sudden she's hugging him and then he disappears just his clothes the rapture. And then you turn around and like like half the people there the same things happened and then basically chaos ensues the same thing happens on the plane so half the passengers go missing and their clothes remain lots of kids mainly kids and then some other people as well and then the rest of the film is basically panic 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 how can we land this plane because obviously as you can imagine people who are on the um traffic control and things like that they've gone too so that's kind of the crux of of the film itself um let's get into it what do we think (laughs) so i'll start a little bit i because i knew nothing about this film i was really confused for like the first 20 minutes whether the religious people were meant to be good or the religious people were meant to be bad once the rapture happened i like got it on the track but like you said they are so mean to the mother i'm like they never present the mum as actually anything that bad. Like, the daughter's like, mum, stop talking about religion to me. But the mum didn't mention religion at all. The daughter brings it up oh. and then has a go at her for responding to the question. Yeah. And then, like, there's a Bible basher woman in the airport and she gives the line, which is my favourite line reading, honey, God knows everything. <laughs> and she is such an unlikable character and we're kind of rooting for chad michael murray's reporter mm. and nicholas cage's daughter that's how they're involved they? the, that's how they meet this woman sort of coming in and and sort of being a bit too intense with the whole religious stuff and then this the daughter just comes along and takes it upon herself to to kind of back away as if she's as if this woman is being abusive to this journalist which she isn't she's just saying her views you know and it sets her up as like an abusive person though like it sets her up as she's over the top and like it sets it up that all the religious people are like fanatics, over the top basically. and crazy fanatics but then the rapture happens so they all go off to heaven and i was like peace <laughs> wait like so were they the good people we don't hate religion we like well, religion i was confused well yeah i think from a from a from a theming point of view uh, just in the background, obviously, this used to be a book and then it was adapted and it was a bit confusing, like, who this was for and what the message was. Because, as you say, the 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 two religious people that are in the opening are drawn as villains, like, drawn mm-hmm. as the people who are crazy and fanat- um, f- 
is it fanatical do you say about that mm-hmm. but like as you say claire the the mum never actually brings it up but it's implied that or like through conversations that she says like world disasters are a good thing but that's purely through the daughter's eyes because you can see it as an, as an audience that what they're saying is that God, obviously this whole God works in mysterious ways kind of thing. You've heard it before, but this daughter, you can see she's like, not irrationally annoyed about it, but clearly there's something a little bit more to why she's annoyed about it, but they never really <laughs> explain why. It's clearly not the first time they've had that conversation well, in that house. Yeah. That yeah. So it was kind of trying to do some screenwriting tricks where they're like, okay, you know, clearly, like you say, Kira, clearly they've had this conversation before, but they didn't quite tell us what we needed to know yeah. from that conversation. Intrigue. Intrigue. <laughs> yeah. um, so she seemed, so she seemed a little bit over the top in terms of how she was reacting to it. Um, but yeah, as you say, the rapture happens and everyone who is religious or otherwise innocent in terms of the, the kids is taken to heaven because, you know, shit's about to get, go, get, I was about to say get down. <laughs> Get real. <laughs> get down. down. Get Race deal is on the scene. <laughs> so yeah, so they they peace out over to him and they're like, we'll leave this to you guys because you you know you didn't believe in God, so he's doing us a favor. We're off, and then we're just kind of left with everyone else. So as you say, it's unclear from you know what is it trying to say? Is it trying to be preachy and say you should you should be religious because then you'll be saved? But then also when they are presenting people who are they're really not presenting them in a good light so this this was my issue and like we, we kind of mentioned very quickly briefly before we start recording if anyone was religious and i said i'm like in the loosest sense of the word religious but i was brought up catholic brought up very religious and this is the kind of film that pisses me off and it's the reason i don't tell people that i'm religious or that i'm christian because this kind of like bible over the top film masquerading like secretly pretending it's not that kind of film it's like no we're a fun action thriller with Nicolas Cage but secretly like be a better person believe in God accept him as your savior it pisses me (laughs) off I'm like there's nothing wrong with having religion religion can be really great but it should be a personal choice it should be anyone's choice to make Mm. stop trying to fucking Trojan horse religion into my stupid action films what do you think, Kira? What do I think? Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, I've got to be honest. I, I did not... Um, I feel like I really let the side down here because I did not connect with the film that deeply. I was just watching <laughs> it. And I was like, you know, oh, the Thanos snap happened. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I was like, Avengers again. I was like, this is what the world looks like, you know, when Marvel stuff happens outside of Marvel. <laughs> So, like, I mean, I think it had lost me for a bit, actually, just before the the rapture happened. I think I was on my phone and, like, the woman, she was just hugging a pile of clothes and I was like, what? Just <laughs> Wait, let's rewind. What about this? I was like, we're going to have to go back a few seconds here because I've missed a beat. Um, but, yeah, I was just like, it was almost like I was watching it in slow motion. Like, you know, there was piles of dirty laundry everywhere and then people were just losing their minds i mean like the world went to shit quickly didn't it yeah. like people did no not warning. mess around no warning uh, and cars cars were able to drive without evil in them she was attacked by a yeah. lot of driverless yeah. cars it yeah as, it was as if it was happening around her because i saw i mean i was looking at the goose for this film and my 
God, are there some on IMDb mm-hmm. about this? Mainly about the fact that everything that happens would never happen on an airplane because of the because of the flight protocol. Honestly, we could do a whole podcast just talking about all of the things that would not ever happen on an airplane. But one of the ones that was on the ground is that how you know, obviously, if some people who are driving disappear, then obviously their car's going to crash, etc. But, you know, when these things are happening, like the school bus that comes off of the bridge when she's running by, I mean, the, the disappearance, like, I'm going to call it the snap still, because it basically is. <laughs> the snap happened like 30 minutes ago. How long has this school bus been driving before yeah. without a driver just toddling along? Oh, now we're going to go off a bridge. That like, doesn't make sense. It's it, it seen enough. It's seen enough. It, like, that didn't happen as a result of the snap. I'm out. He was like, I don't want to be here anymore. My biggest issue, so like, well, there were two in that, like, maybe I just, I know that what the rapture is, and God forbid this ever happened in real life. I'm like, oh fuck, we've all been raptured. I wasn't, I wasn't religious <laughs> enough. Um, but like, it's been done in like a lot of other media as well. There is an excellent American Dad episode on the rapture. Highly recommend it. Which is like, I think what I know most of my rapture lore from. Um, <laughs> But so it annoyed me that no one in the film for like at least an hour, not one single person was like, oh, it's the rapture. They're all like going mental. They're acting as if the pilot did it, though. I mean, like, I mean, that's that's so typical of like American disaster films, though, isn't it? Like, you know, they just whip their guns out and they start shooting at it. Like, they don't really question who's really to blame. They don't try and solve it in a logical way. They're just like riot and like storm the capital. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, all of 0.5 seconds for people to start looting. A couple of kids disappeared and you're looting. <laughs> this was this was what blew my mind. I was like, so we're not just going to gradually descend into chaos. Like, nobody stood around going, like, what has just happened? Because yeah. I think that would be my first instinct. Like, yeah. you know, I'm just going about, I'm minding my business. I'm going to Costa to get a coffee. And, like, now I'm just surrounded by a pilot. I mean, I'm assuming, like, I'm not taking in the rapture. Um, <laughs> you would be. You're lovely. You'd be taken. <laughs> I'm assuming I'm not ascending to a higher place. I mean, I'm just... <laughs> surrounded by yeah like imagine like you're just getting handed something in kfc or something but the person who was handing it to you behind the counter like they're just shriveled up gone you know your chickens everywhere i'm not instantly going to start writing i'm going to be like excuse me actually if i was in kfc i would 100 percent lean over and take some extra chicken yeah get me an extra mayo sachet i'm here (laughs) was it my issue as well is that like I understand for some of them, like some of the people in the plane, like there's a mum who was asleep and she wakes up and her child is gone. That is confusing. That's terrifying. Get that. But our main female, um, I've forgotten her name, but the daughter, she is hugging her brother in her arms when he is raptured. So she has him in her arms and then he disappears and all that's left is her clothes. She then spends an hour being like, where did he go to? Where did he run away to? And it's like, bitch, you were physically holding him. He hasn't <laughs> run away anywhere. You absorbed him. Osmosis. <laughs> she goes like a school, that. she goes to a hospital, she goes to church, all like looking for this brother. And it's like, you know where he went. Yeah, the fact that she went to a hospital was like, come on, girl, like... You really, she was, she genuinely thought that he'd run away. And maybe it was just like pure denial of, obviously, if that would happen, it would take a lot for you to wrap your head around that. Mm -hmm. 
But I think more so if it had just been him. But you can clearly see that it's happening around you. So, like, I feel like it would just... You wouldn't be able to convince yourself that that, that person had run away. What? They've all just picked up together and gone, go on, guys. But it's like a flash mob. But people just <laughs> Ant-Man. Rather than a literal got, like, flash mob. <laughs> like, right, ready, guys? Go. And then they've all gone. And it's just like... Unless they're close. Uh, obviously, yeah. Unless they're close. A naked flash mob. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's like the fact that she... It's just, it just feels like a massive weight. It feels like they needed to fill in time for her, uh, like, story, whilst all the stuff was going in the air, so that at the end, obviously, she could help her dad land the plane. But it was just so silly that she really convinced herself that every time she saw an ambulance that her brother was in there, to the point where she travelled all the way to the hospital. And I don't know about you guys, but I felt really, like, that hospital scene was very 28 days later, with all of the empty, like... <clears throat> baby like cradles and stuff and then there's just this one woman who's like they're all gone they're all gone and I'm like all of a sudden it's trying to be like a horror and I was like what is going on my initial reaction which is terrible is I'm pretty sure there's some evil kids I don't think all the kids would have been raptured <laughs> fairly sure there's a few dickhead kids I mean the thing that the thing that got me at that point in the hospital <laughs> <laughs> I'm just laughing at you laughing like, bear in mind that I was clearly like of not the intellectual um, sort of requirements to be watching because I, I genuinely didn't get the religious aspect of it. Like it makes sense now that we're talking about Wait, it. Did but... you not get it when he when he explained it though? When he got the Bible, he's like, they were all religious. I think I might have slipped into a coma at that point. I don't know. Um, but like they went into like the maternity ward, and I'm looking around and I'm like. Surely, by like law of probability, there should be some more babies in here. Like I went about it mathematically. I was yeah. hitting it with science and math. <laughs> I went in completely opposite direction. And you like, were doing um, Thanos's fifty percent yeah. snap. There you go. Oh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I was like, there should be more in here. <laughs> I wish wasn't. we were recording videos so I could clip that bit of you doing the very dramatic Thanos snap from Kira. <laughs> But it does, yeah, my mind always kept going back to the Thanos snap. So I was like, who did it better? Like, who wore it better? Oh. <laughs> See, my, the whole time I was just trying to remember the plot of the American Dad episode where they did the rapture. I, I, I quite enjoyed the idea of the plot and the theme itself, but I just feel like the execution of it was pretty shoddy. It's I also, so bad. <laughs> I don't think the timing was great for it either. I feel like... In the 90s, like, we'd have had this for breakfast. Well, right? no, because the original film came out in the 90s and people did not eat it for breakfast. Well, <laughs> they threw it in the bin. It was, it was but that one didn't have an occasion, did it? Yeah. No, so there are quite a lot of differences. I watched about half of the um, original one. Have you? Before. I didn't realise this was a remake. I realised right. it was a remake at 10 o'clock this morning. <laughs> And so whilst I was attempting to set up the podcast and failing miserably, I had it on in the background. Amazing. What, is it streaming I mean, somewhere then? It's on Amazon. Oh my What God. is it called? It's... Left Behind? No, Left Behind, colon, the movie. <laughs> no, but there are two filmed sequels to it and yes. a spin-off because there are 16 books. Madness. Good Lord. But this, so this film is only like the first... 20 or 30 minutes of that film right okay which make kind of makes sense really because <clears throat> it does feel like this is really really stretched out for what mm -hmm. it is mm -hmm. and yeah. as you say like if it was a, 
that kind of disaster film perfect because it, you've kind of got okay let's do a disaster film with nick cage being a pilot and these people disappear and have like the undertones of it being a religious thing but not focus too much on that you know with, at the beginning and things like that and just make it that's the reason that's sort of like <clears throat> why it's happening but then focus on the action or whatever i think like that could have worked better but clearly as you say this isn't this isn't the whole story which is why it feels a bit a bit lackluster I think the thing for me that was why I didn't enjoy it is because considering it's about landing a plane when you know I don't know if it's specifically half but a lot of people have gone missing there's no air traffic control you've got panicking panicking passengers is that it wasn't even like tense or thrilling like there was no there were no stakes no stakes and there was no ebb and flow of oh I'm getting really tense and oh this is a moment to to talk emotionally or whatever it was just people screaming for an hour and a half and not convincingly <laughs> no 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 exactly and like I don't know about you but specifically the passengers on the plane the fact that they were rioting on the plane trying to get into the the captain uh, trying to get into the cockpit to, as if the captain has the answers as if he's yeah. a magician that went and he's got them all in the back behind the curtain what i did it's while crazy. we were all sleeping is i pressed the button and suctioned all the children out of the plane they're all outside now <laughs> <laughs> exactly there's a special button for this but it was but like crazy like, the writers of this film have obviously never been on an airplane and or never been around the normal public no. because they were the most stereotypically written characters ever, which is its own racist <laughs> issue, stereotype issue, which I could go on about. We can go into it. We cannot go into it. Don't know if we need a Claire rant in today's episode. <laughs> <But laughs> the bigger issue is that, like, I've never been first class on a plane, but I've been on a plane. I don't know anyone. Who ever fucking talks to anyone on a plane? You don't talk to strangers. Everyone in this first class seems to be travelling on their own and just happily having a little chat with people across the aisle. It's like, ah, that's not how planes work. That's not how people work. Yeah. I mean, I can do that to a certain extent, but um, yeah, just the way that they react afterwards is just all one note and it gets so tiresome after a little while, I think. And let's not forget either, you know, when... He comes out and he's like, yeah, we're out of fuel. We've got big issues going on. He only bothers to tell everybody in first class. <laughs> he ain't about anybody else. He's they like, well, these... They have to pay for that privilege, Kira. Yeah. These guys probably got the loyalty cards. I'll take care of these ones first. Yeah. Like, Ray had his priorities in order They'll throughout this whole thing. To spend their miles. He was like, I serve the airline and the airline only. Honestly. And they do, like, they do show, like, economy class but oh my god like the yeah. lack of screen time those guys get is uh... no, discrimination <laughs> to the lower classes yeah. <laughs> we don't care if you die oh, no no it's the general public i mean who was your least favorite passenger because <laughs> i don't know who mine was i mean that's like asking you know i have to say like the the people who were who were rioting and, and trying to get into the cockpit and then when he, when they told everyone to sit back down and they and then he was trying to get everyone to calm down that guy kept unbuckling his seatbelt and standing up our side bitch you better sit down or he's gonna make you sit down it was really annoying me i don't know the lad's name he was in economy so he, <laughs> he is irrelevant <laughs> no i think i mean i think we all liked we all like book 
<laughs> yeah, what, the investigative journalist. I kept calling him Buck Rogers, but I know that definitely <laughs> weren't his name. I mean, he was Lucas oh. from One Tree Hill, and he yeah. won't. He could not be in anything ever in until I die. He will only ever be Lucas from One Tree Hill. I was like Tristan from Gilmore Girls. Yes, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, he grew up quite nicely. I, I, I think he was. If I think he's probably he was probably the best character. Oh yeah, I think he was the most believable. The fact that he's an investigative journalist and like deals with all of these like natural disasters. The way he um, had those emotional chats with the daughter. I think yeah, I was on board for it. I think he did well with the material that he had. There's a reason that the only two names of any actor in this film that you know are Chad Michael Murray and Nick Cage because they are they're in a separate film to the rest of the cast yeah literally (laughs) it does feel like that though doesn't it it does Mm. feel like that was the sort of like a shoot that was the a unit that was their film and then everything else was pick up everything else (laughs) I think like the feeling I got was that they really knew the kind of film they were in right yeah um and everybody else was just going a bit ham yeah they were like this is my moment and this brings me to my least favorite passenger Go on. the random high as fuck lunatic woman in first class <laughs> terrible accent yeah so apparently i got this from the caged in podcast so oh, yeah. if it's not true blame them and um, she is the director's daughter she is a stunt woman. She's done some stunt work. And um, this is her, I think this is, if not her only, one of only two acting credits. But according to the KGM podcast, she is the director or the writer's daughter. But like, she is barely in the film. Then all of a sudden has like this big emotional, like 10 minute arc where she's super high and has to go shoot up in the bathroom, <laughs> like, which is just its own issue. But she then at We're one having point- having a hard time though, let's be honest. <laughs> it is the rapture, Claire. She, she seems to be the only one who knows what it is as well. She then like panics and then turns around to buck and go and it goes, hold me. I mean you would, wouldn't you? It's like <laughs> has anyone ever in real life, not just us, just I mean the world, has anyone ever asked anyone or uttered the words, hold me? Oh wait, I thought it, that was the air hostess to Nicholas yeah. Cage. She, she, was she, it? she yeah. said it as well. Oh, point stands. <laughs> It was her like, dialogue. If you are a human being listening to this podcast and you have ever said, hold me to someone, please can you get in touch? Because I just don't believe in the words have ever been uttered. And and at the same time, let me also chime in with, if something like that is occurring and you turn to anybody and go, hold me, like maybe just take a minute and consider that everybody's got their own shit going on at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got time to be holding you. I've got my own problems. <laughs> Hold I've got to hold it together. Look at all this washing that's just created itself. <laughs> Who's going to do all of those loads of washing? Because it ain't me. It's just like little things as well. Like it just feels so. It feels some shots feel very student film. Like when the when the daughter's running to well, trying to make her way to the hospital, um, and she's running with the the son the brother's backpack on, and then this motorbike just pulls up <laughs> so slowly next to them and just kind of takes it off her she kind of helps she kind of helps it me taking it off her and then she's like oh that was my brother's and I'm like that's why you two strap that's why you two strap <laughs> but the other thing as well was when they were doing and I get why they left it in but they shouldn't have done towards the end when she's helping them land the plane and she's setting off all the explosions <laughs> there's a really bad that. shot where they've got an in-car camera yeah. and the quality is so low that was just a to GoPro. What- 
yeah, 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 yeah. to what the rest of the film was. And clearly it was the only shot they got of that explosion because there's no other reason as to why they kept that shot in because it's so jarring. Yeah, yeah. it's so they, weird. Like, you've got that and then you, you clearly have to change from when it's her and when it's a stunt woman because, like, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, here, take my bag that's being stolen from me. And then the next minute she hops on a motorcycle, like, with no prior knowledge to her being able to ride a bike, just drives yeah. away yeah. like she's in Fast and Furious. <laughs> I saw that as well. And I was also like, that's a fucking adventure bike. Like, you ain't picking that up by yourself. <gasps> I was thinking, I was like, she's strong. Is this she's a superhero woman? Movie? I was like, hello, Marvel, are you back? <laughs> Do you want Thanos Snap Part 2? <laughs> That was a good one, wasn't it? That was a good one. But yeah, like when she clears the runway for for the dad to land the plane, I was just like, this girl is a quick thinker and she's just managing to just move all of the shit with like literally a four by four. And then she gets on the um, steamroller thing. I'm just like, fair enough. Like some people are better in a crisis than I am. And I need to accept that, that I wouldn't think (laughs) as quickly as she would. But it was all just very unearned I feel like it was just mm-hmm. very like oh wait so this girl who's been crying running around hospitals trying to find her brother now suddenly has the logic to go to an unused bit of it, mo- it was because motorway. she was gonna kill herself she climbed yeah. up the bridge oh, to yeah, kill moment herself of clarity. and she got the call that meant that she did have purpose in life mm. and so then god was like no. faith <laughs> she got the call from god that life was worth living <laughs> and off she goes to make sure life continues she's to like, be worth he's like you're not coming up here but do me a favor <laughs> well so that was my thing with her as well so i was trying to plot who got raptured and who didn't and why so obviously all the kids got raptured because kids are all lovely and the mum character gets raptured because she was a believer you've got the old couple on the plane where the husband gets raptured and the wife doesn't so I'm like, oh, what did the wife do we know that nicholas cage and the air hostess don't is get it raptured what they do or is it what they believe because i thought it was a bit what of they both believe. Oh. it depends on what no, it depends on what you like lean into with the rapture, but it's all about like being a good person and believing in God and all of that. But so I was like, well, obviously Nick Cage and the air hostess are like dirty adulterers, so that's their sin. But I was like, what did Chad Michael Murray and the daughter do? Like, he seems to be a really like pro solid investigative journalist. Yeah, Surely bro. that gets you head against. And she seems like a nice kid. They're preemptive. <laughs> Maybe they're preemptive. They they looked at Buck and you know Nicholas Cage's daughter. You're gonna do that. Like, hmm, you might yeah. not be sinners yet, but you will. <laughs> yeah, Buck is definitely fucked out of wedlock. We are correct. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what everyone's sin was. I was like, mm. hmm, yeah, why well, are they okay? Yeah, I, I didn't. I just went with. Um, my understanding was what they believed more than anything and that kind of made more sense to me but I have obviously like where we've read around the film and people's thoughts and stuff a lot of people have said you know the fact that you know they've got someone who's a drug user they've got someone who's an adulterer they've got some you know all these people a Muslim <clears throat> yeah oh, don't, even, don't even go there um, and it's all very stereotypical they don't really just they don't really go into that side of things so it kind of feels like either do it and go into it or don't Mm -hmm. even or don't even like signpost it kind of thing um because otherwise it just comes off as really like cheap and and half-assed but talking about cheap and cheap and half-assed what was your favorite bit of dialogue (laughs) mine was the honey god knows everything because that actress she knew she only had that moment she knew she only had that scene and she 
went for it. That was a powerful line delivery. Yeah, to be fair. No, I quite liked her uh, her character moment. Um, really, really, you know, like push. Um, what's the word? What's the word? Where it's like I've lost my brain today. Hit home. Just how crazy these religious people really are. <laughs> I am being sarcastic. Um, my favourite is um, when the air hostess says to Nick Cage, aren't you scared? And he says, I will be as soon as I have time. Yeah. Like, not going to lie, I actually liked that un... Uh, what's the word? Unironically. I actually really, yeah. really liked that. <laughs> it, it, was, it was lines like that that like made me say it would have been so suited to the 90s. Yeah. And also... You know, you could have so easily swapped out Nicolas Cage with Bruce Willis. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was watching it and I was at times I was thinking Armageddon as well. Yeah. No, absolutely. The daughter's plot did make me think she was having her own, like, little diehard game to herself. Like, running around the streets by herself being like, I'm in diehard. Or Sharknado. Just running around from these magic cars that keep attacking her. Sharknado. She was kind of just doing, like when you finished a video game there's no more missions to do like she was just going around just doing yeah. stuff for the crack but i'll be honest she didn't really put much of a shift in until the last 10 minutes did she you know she just ran around shouting gravy gravy because i'm sure that's what the kid was called like, he was definitely called gravy wasn't he oh my god what was he called ravy ravy gravy spell gravy 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 Bisto. You know what happened? You know what happened? She was being served to KFC at lunch (laughs) and the guy behind the counter disappeared and she really wanted gravy. I knew it. I knew it. Can we um can we talk about Jordan Sparks? (laughs) Do you know who she was meant to be originally? Uh yeah, Tia for from Tia and Tamara. Yeah. I kind of am pleased for Tia that. She didn't do this because yeah. I I don't think she had a lot of great stuff to uh, <laughs> to well, play with there. It wasn't. It, Jordan Sparks is a great singer and and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't Maybe she just stick to what she knows. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, good for her. She wanted to try a bit of acting, but you know, she yeah. didn't have very good dialogue. It went from zero to hundred real quick because yeah. obviously she was very upset that her daughter went missing disappeared went to heaven but then like it took right up until the end for her to pull a gun on someone and Uh, also isn't it like shooting a gun in a plane a way to like surefire crash the plane absolutely i feel like any action movie i've ever seen has been like do not fucking shoot a gun she's an emotional mother she doesn't have logic right now you know well she didn't get raptured so she clearly a moron yeah well speak for yourself Um, yeah, there were quite a uh, quite an interesting mix of characters in first class. Um, I found some of the conversations um, really strange. Like at the beginning, the guy was that the guy who was an FBI agent or something or US marshal. Mm-hmm. There was the someone was who was an air marshal on the plane. The conspiracy theories the about the plane with that other guy, that the I Asian know? guy that was talking yeah. about conspiracy theories. But like, where did that come from? What? What? I mean, didn't they start asking him to fix it at one point? I don't know. I can't like, I'm, I'm fairly certain there was something implied that because he was Asian, clearly he knew what had happened and oh. had the solutions to the problem. There was, was a lot of those those 
horrific assumptions made when there was um, a guy with the dwarfism and a Muslim on the plane. There was a lot of stereotypical uh, things being thrown around. The nicest, just most quiet passenger, but it's like, oh, you're Muslim, so you wanting to get anything from your bag at any point in this seven-hour flight definitely means you're about to pull a gun on us. (laughs) And the fact that he then used that in his own way to then basically prove people wrong by pulling out a toothbrush i don't think it kind of had quite the slam dunk <laughs> that the writers thought that it, 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 it did they thought yeah. they had a big time with that move right they were like they were seeing the screenplay oscars they were writing their speeches <laughs> Standardization, like they, you know they they went off they went to a different place <laughs> And then, like, obviously, it actually materialised, and you kind of got to think it must have been quite disappointing because they thought they were the shit. Oh yeah, I think that's kind of the issue with the way that this film is. Really, I think it's one of those ones where they really do feel like this is this is Chef's kiss, and it's like, oh, honey, you have no idea. I don't know what you guys thought about some of the choices that were made. Obviously, I mentioned that a lot of the goofs that I found and the continuity errors and all of this stuff were pretty much, there was like hundreds focused on how every single thing that is like done isn't possible on a plane. Like it would never be allowed. Things like, things like the, um, the air hostess talking into the receiver of the, of the phone rather than the microphone. That's like, the begin that's just like the smallest thing but then there's just tons of things like though you that he wouldn't ever say the way that they say the flight number and things like that as well but my main thing I wanted to question is if you were halfway to London flying from New York and the air traffic controllers went down would you or would you not just stay on your flight path because that's probably probably isn't safe but it's probably at least a bit safer than turning the way back around and just going into a minefield of falling planes. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the thing is, like, they're expecting you when you get into London, but also, right, how much time and fuel are you losing turning around? Exactly. Listen, if we know, and we, I'm just guessing neither of you guys are pilots. Haven't, Haven't passed that course yet. The reason that they couldn't then make it to JFK they ran out of fuel because they hit an aeroplane. So I'm just saying, yeah. I feel like they should have just kept going <laughs> and then, you, you know, they'll be able to, you know, <clears throat> or they might not be able to foresee problem. any airplane crashes, but at least they're on their own flight path and they're like, listen, you're in my space. They went yeah. back the other way. They are going into other people's spaces, so... But then the daughter and Chad Michael Murray's character wouldn't have been reunited at the plane and had a big hug despite the fact that they'd only met each other that morning and only had one ten minute conversation. But listen, now they're gonna now they're gonna live the rapture together. They're gonna live through it, they're gonna fight off. They get married in the third book. They what? They get married in the third book. Aw. Good for them. I kind of wanna do like a bit of a a wiki read through of all of these. I tried. I tried long. It's very. It's very long. Oh god! I yeah, can't. give me a little. Give me a little cliff notes summary afterwards. Um, but what I did like about the fact that the plane crashed is I finally got to see one of the um, <laughs> the aeroplane giant inflatable slides. I've always yeah. wanted to see one of them. I was very pleased by that, especially when Nick Cage jumps down it. It almost does like a little salute. How about? <laughs> 
How about we talk about the Muslim guy absolutely fucking the dwarf guy out of the place? Yes. Like, that, that took me by surprise, and I cannot tell you the noise I made when that happened. <laughs> I've never made it before, but it was it was it was quite the release. I have to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it, one of the the inflatable slide evacuation thing is one of the things where they were like that would absolutely the way that this written on IMDb clearly this person works for an airline they are going in they are like this would never happen this would never happen and this would never happen and one of them is the fact that um if you've got an evacuation like that you certainly do not go orderly one at a time apparently literally the air hostess literally push you out because they want to get everyone yeah and they were like they do tests where they get like whole aircrafts off in like a minute and a quarter there's no way they'd be able to get everyone out at the same time and like i love reading stuff like that but obviously it doesn't matter as much because it's a film but the way that this person has written it i'm assuming they're done by a lot of the same person i quote they say no experienced airline pilot would make this fundamental mistake and i'm just living for the energy quite frankly yeah but let's be honest like the rapture ain't really happening (laughs) so how about we all just calm down and stop worrying too much about this scenario that probably poses no Disclaimer, real threat to if us. If God and or Thanos are listening and you are planning on going ahead with the rapture, we would like to be raptured, just FYI. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> just, a, little, just a little warning as well, you know? Kira doesn't speak for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> That's a memo just to God and to Thanos. But I think Everyone the, else, continue. The reason that they picked up on that I think it's because it's so... I mean, if you have that knowledge, there's nothing here to distract you or keep you in that realm of, like, what's the phrase I'm looking for? All the words have fallen out of my head today. When you're, like... I think this is a film that sort of erodes brain cells. (laughs) Yeah, really. Your thoughts have been raptured. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Suspending your disbelief. Well, so that was my problem in that you've got the first, like, what, 30, 40 minutes until the damn rapture even happens, at which point I was like, oh, it's a rapture film. Like, my brain was like, oh, I, I get it. I see where we're going now. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, that is quite cool. Because what would happen to the planes where the pilots are actually yeah. the passengers aren't? So I was like, this is quite interesting. And then it does nothing interesting with the concept. And you've still got over an hour of the film to go. Mm-hmm. And like towards the last 30 minutes, I was like, well, they've made it very clear that they are not going to kill anyone in this movie. And they've made it very clear that they're definitely going to land and everything's going to be fine. I was like, why the fuck is this film making me still watch it? Why is it <laughs> pretending why there is more here still watch it? <laughs> like it's got a gun to your head. Watch me. I was, like, I was like, there's not enough here for this movie to still be on yeah. my screen. Yeah, agreed. It was... Uh... Not well. I read a review that was just like one thing happens and it's not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't spoke about the music actually. We mentioned the music earlier on. That was uh, oh, a treat. My, my is it my first line? No, my fourth note is what the fuck is up with this nineties comedy saxophone yeah. music? It was really strange. It did not fit the film whatsoever. But my favorite. Um, song was over the credits i don't know if you caught some of the lyrics of this, the so I, um, my my final note was this credit song is ridiculous um i quote the sun has come and you've been left behind just to you know drive home that point of yeah. anyone that's not religious 
fuck off, basically. The <laughs> end to the original film has um, a, a similar, like, left behind, but it's like, I won't be left behind. And it's like a, like, upbeat, like, 90s grooving. I was yeah. like, it was better song. Well, yeah, because yeah. this song is just threatening in nature. <laughs> like, yeah, I think I think one thing you can say about uh, about Left Behind is, you know, really nailed the subtleties. <laughs> yeah, it understood nuance, and you know, not ramming a message down your throat. It was like I'm going to leave the audience to think what they want. It was just, it was you could see that whatever went on with their budget, it ran out. And you could see that someone had just gone on some royalty-free music website and was just typing in a random tag and going, that'll do, um, along with whoever they employed to do the appallingly photoshopped family photo at the start oh of the my film. God, oh, yeah. God. I Mia li- Thompson and Nicolas Cage have never been in a room together. <laughs> well, they weren't even in this film. Yeah. I live for, like, those... Uh badly photoshopped photos i feel like i should start a uh, a twitter account that just like has them all there yeah little little treats every day like here's another one do you want me to fill in some of the gaps between the novel and the original films in this film take it away educators claire there are 16 books um i think there's eight main books four sequels and four spin-offs or something like that um, so there's a lot going on but in the books the investigative reporter is the main character and in ah. the first film he's the main character which is why his character feels really fully formed because he is actually the main character of the entire right. story but i wonder if because they got nick cage or they decided to focus it on the plane that they made his the pilot character bigger he is in the first film and the book though um so the rapture happens quite soon in the first thing he gets the plane home i think that's all done and dusted with very quickly then the investigative reporter is working with the un to try and like sort some shit out because the world is in chaos and realizes that the antichrist is has infiltrated the un and then the mission is to stop the Antichrist. And that's what the consequent books is books ah. are. It's all about his mission to stop the Antichrist. Um, but this Left Behind 2014 decided to write the Antichrist out. Boring. I, I respect it. it. It makes more sense. It seems like a more linear film to not have the Antichrist in. But it's also a very boring film. So maybe if they'd have left no the Antichrist more in. more films could do with the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Just saying. Um, so yeah, I only there's three films and then a spin-off film. But so the first film, at the end of it, he discovers there's the Antichrist. In the second film, he goes off to try and fight the Antichrist. Um, and then in the third film, I don't really remember because I got really bored. The Wikipedia entries are so long. Like it's not like a nice couple of bullet points. But in the third film, they get married and the pilot marries someone new for some random reason. And I think maybe they kill the Antichrist, that there's a new villain, or there's many villains. There's a bigger boss than the Antichrist. God knows. God knows. But it is Thanos. Um, It's all about, like, the seven years of hell that they will all live through. So the rapture takes all the good people, and then there Mm -hmm. are seven years of chaos. And this is all about the seven years of chaos that they'll have to live through. The film I watched the first 20 minutes of and then the last 20 minutes of because I realised this is also a really fucking boring film and I already know the story, (laughs) so I skipped to the end because I wanted to see the bit of the Antichrist. 
The reveal is very anticlimactic, mm. very boring. Um, and it's a lot, the film is just a lot of people sitting around at desks talking about how bad it is that everything oh, yeah. collapsed. I, don't, I, I'm, well, I was about to say, I, I'm guessing the reason that they decided to just do the focus on the plane is because if you were going to go through like the seven years of hell, like, that's a lot of budget you're eating into. Yeah. So I'm assuming they wanted to focus on one big set piece of a film. But then if you're just using all of that money on 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 the explosions at the end which you didn't even manage to capture on camera and the and the, the plane set and then you've got nothing like it's just so like just it's just so inconsequential like listening to that I'd much rather watch a film that's got the whole story because this really does feel like an act one of a bigger mm-hmm. thing the way that they've told it because they've clearly not reconstructed that with its own three acts well, they try to but it's just not really done very well so do you know about the proposed sequel to this film very little oh my god very little i i have <laughs> like i was amazed at the end like i could even i could feel it coming <laughs> like you know when it when it was unfolding i could feel it in my bones when i started twitching <laughs> off like something's happening here and they looked off into the distance, didn't they? Yeah. Like New York has burnt down, and they're like, "Wow, it's, it's the apocalypse! It's the end of the world!" And then zooms into Nick Cage's daughter's face. It's just the beginning, <laughs> and I was like, "Right." I admire the confidence, and you know the aspirations that they set, but be realistic. Does anybody really want a fucking sequel to this? <laughs> well, so. Left Behind dot 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 the movie was written by the same guy who wrote this. So the 2000 film Left Behind was written by Paul Lalonde, who also wrote Left Behind 2, Tribulation Force, and Left Behind 3, World at War. Um, he then also wrote Left Behind 2014. He started an Indiegogo campaign to oh try and get the sequel Left Behind 2 made. And if you the Indiegogo campaign is still there. It failed. It made 16% of its target. But if you go on the Indiegogo campaign, you can still see like the messages and the videos that he made. Right, and... I'm doing that. I'm looking now. I'm looking <laughs> now. like, just like awkwardness. In, in one of the videos, like there's questions that have been asked, like, will this sequel actually be like the books? Because people were clearly pissed that it didn't follow the first book and that they wrote the Antichrist out. Um, because in fairness, yeah, it needed, the film did need an Antichrist. Need a little bit of something, something, and that was the Antichrist. There you go, there's the Indiegogo oh campaign. And look, that there's the man and woman of the hour. No Nicolas yeah. Cage attached, I'm disgusted. <laughs> Um, but in this video, he's like, I promise you, the, there will be, we will follow the plot of the books in the sequel. This first film was set up to be like a pilot for a whole series of films. And we will, <laughs> Kira's just showing us how long. They don't want, like, they're not aiming for much with it. Like, what is that, 300,000? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Flexible um, goal, flexible. They're willing to be flexible. <laughs> they just want what they can get, really. But yeah, so he basically was like begging fans of the book to be like, yeah, it will definitely will be more realistic. We'll stick to the plot more. Oh, we yeah, really yeah. need you. <laughs> wink, wink. We need your money to help us make the film series that we want. We have all the rights to all of the books now, so we can do the whole thing. Um, and obviously, it never happened. Apparently, on his Facebook account, he said that he was still trying to get private funding. 
and according to Wikipedia, but it was not cited, so I don't know how true this is, at a convention in 2019, someone asked Chad Michael Murray if he was attached, would there be a sequel? And he said that he was technically still attached, but I think he said that there isn't a script or it hasn't yeah. got funding. So he He's kind of just said... Fairness to him, if you're told this, because the books were really successful, like the books made a lot right. of money. So if you're Chad Michael Murray and you're told we want you for the main character in a series of 16 books and we're going to make a film mm. for every book... Your eyes would turn into dollar signs. So fair play to him for like taking it on. He was like, I get to be an investigative journalist reporter and save the day. Yeah, I mean, like his character was fine, so I don't, I don't blame him at all. No, it's interesting you're talking about obviously the link back to the other films that were previously made, the trilogy, because they were written by the same people, and the fact that they, there was actually a lawsuit (laughs) from the original authors because they didn't like the the 2000s version the very first version they filed a lawsuit against it for breach of contract so obviously they were so disappointed with what and that's that one the one that included the antichrist they did say they liked this one they did yeah they i quote said um i believe it does justice to the novel and will renew interest in the entire series one of them says it is the best movie i have ever seen on the rapture and when asked if it was good one of them said it's better than good ba I mean, I would also say it's the best movie I've seen on The Rapture because it is the only movie I've seen on The Rapture. Yeah, maybe that was the weather broadcast on the first day of the year, isn't it? Oh, it's the hottest day of the year so far. Compared to what? (laughs) Yeah, I think maybe they had a few um, tricks of like how they said these things. That's how I accidentally went to a shoot university. It was the number one course for film and television production, and it's because every other university just calls it film production. But because they added in and television, they got to be number one. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, people have a funny way with words, don't they? Get what they want. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Especially Ray Steele. <laughs> these, guys are- <laughs> these guys are clearly happier with this one. I mean, Fair play to the guy that's trying to raise money for a sequel that's on the bottom 100 on IMDb. Like, your work's cut out for you, mate. (laughs) Your work is cut out for you. Um, But I don't know if they bring the Antichrist back. They might might have some money from me to, to see what that's all about. As long as it's not just people sitting there talking about the Antichrist. I want to see him. I want to see him on the screen. In in the 2000 version, he just looks like a rich blonde dude oh i knew they were gonna go down that where's the horns <laughs> if i remember rightly in american dad he has horns. that yeah. could be a line i don't might be wrong i'll be, I'll be watching that then I'll be watching. it's set at christmas though so you know it's a christmas it's christmas theme. oh so it's is seasonal. he like a krampus yeah, i think so the christmas episodes of american dad are wild but they've also all merged into one in my right. brain so i know that we've obviously talked about the fact that not many people were happy about this film however it did make a bit of money um so it was released in um october 2014 um and as of march 2016 the film closed and had a worldwide total of 20 just uh well nearly 27 and a half million plus another 5.2 million with home video sales and only had a production budget of 16 million so So why is he why is he crowdfunding the sequel (laughs) if he made back the money even on tin of cage 
another thing that was interesting when I was thinking about, okay, so these people have paid to see the film, but have they, did they like it? Because obviously when we talk about box uh-huh. office, we're like, <laughs> that's one thing. It means the marketing worked, doesn't mean the film worked. And, um, and yeah, marketing, if you just put Nicolas Cage in front of an exploding plane, you're going to get absolutely, people. Absolutely, absolutely. So they got us. Once again, tip yeah. of the hat to the marketing <laughs> team. Um, but what made me think about whether audiences liked it and who actually would pay to see this um so you know we were talking about cinema score before claire about how the people who are asked to rate films via cinema scores medium are the people that have actually paid to see them because they want to see the film so it does kind of skew the rankings a little bit because if you go into a film and it's not what you're expecting then you're going to get things like um what was the one i know that mother had an f because we were talking about mm-hmm. that yeah we were, and we were it's talking about i know who killed yeah. me because the trailer is a different yeah. film it's yeah. a completely different film can you believe that this has a cinema score of b minus oh that makes me so sad yeah which is wild because i'm like well clearly people got what they wanted then these people that paid to see this film got what they wanted cinema score please can you just start sending me films because like come on i'll tell you what i think <laughs> Um, but I mean that was very high compared to some of the other some of the other sort of like scoring and, and critiquing Rotten Tomatoes it's got a very healthy 1% from the old critics. yeah it does <laughs> a bit higher though with the audience 38% again higher than the Flintstones I just <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with audiences can guys can everyone please do a rating of the Flintstones 1994 film on Rotten Tomatoes because we need to raise that rating. It cannot be lower than this shit. This is this is a plea. Don't donate money to charity. Don't buy me any presents. Just raise Flintstones Rotten Tomatoes audience score. I love how you're like lobbying. This is like your version of release the Snyder Cut. You're like lobbying. Why, why don't Why don't you go on Indiegogo and see like? <laughs> I mean, it's working for this guy. It might work for you as well. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yet another one. And I think this is unfortunately going to be um, something you're gonna have to struggle through every week, clever. <laughs> Sounds of it. Um, I do like, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It's my new awareness campaign. Right. Every time we do this, I'll bring awareness to the fact, like Twitter, film Twitter. Do you know that people think this film is better than this film? God, don't do, you do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. The thing will implode. <laughs> don't do it. But, I'll be I'll, I'll be like, if right. you disagree, go to Rotten Tomatoes and give Flintstones a higher score. Go, go, go. I'm gonna just warn you now, and you're gonna get a lot of trolls. <laughs> Avoid that. I mean, they might actually turn up at your house. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was looking at legally changing my name yesterday. Maybe I'll do that afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> to what? Claire, I love the Flintstones brand. <laughs> no, is it like for protection so no one can find me? Right. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure, Jan. <laughs> um. So I also like reading out the critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes because I feel like it summarizes obviously very well what people are thinking. But this is done in in a in a very um, biblical phrasing. So I'm not sure how this is going to happen. I should hope so. It says, Yea, verily, like unto a plague of locusts left behind, hath beget a ra- a further scourge of devastation upon Nicolas Cage's once proud filmography. I don't think Nicolas Cage's filmography is consistent enough for that for them to say that though, because it's very ding, 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 up and down. 
I mean, this was at the point, though, like Kira was saying at the top of the episode, this was the beginning of that, really. Up mm. until this point, he'd kind of stayed steady for the most right. part. This yeah. was when it went wild. Okay. Yeah. This was patient. This was when, do you know what? I'm I'm going to need to put food on the table. I've got mortgages to pay. <laughs> like, sometimes you've, got, you've just got to sell your soul a little bit. You know, sacrifice some artistic creativity. <laughs> yeah. He also sold a lot of his stuff because he had a lot of stuff. And I've seen surprisingly little of it. I've ne- I've now realised. He's got like a hasn't he got? A, well, he did at one point have a pet octopus because he mm-hmm, used to mm-hmm. study it for one of the roles that he had. Yeah. And he wasn't playing an octopus, so I don't really know what the relevance was. And like he has like so much like film memorabilia that's like in the millions. Yeah. Like he he sold a lot. Oh, I thought yeah. you said he has a lot of films. Did you say he has a lot of money? A lot of stuff. Oh, stuff. No, just, just, wow. just stuff. Just like he he went. I think his money issues came from IRS taxes. Oh, we've heard this I think one that before. was the biggest. But well, he think... also spent a lot of money on a lot of fucking nonsense. <laughs> He bought a lot of houses when there was a housing boom, and then when mm. the market crashed, the houses weren't worth anything anymore. Oh, <laughs> and that's where the I, value I'm... went up, went to heaven in the rapture. <laughs> Off they go. <laughs> you, you you tried a bit too hard with that one. Oh well, I'm running out of steam <laughs> now. I'm running out of steam. You see, I'll bring it back. I found it soon. I'll bring it back. Okay, this article is called. Nicholas Cage blew $150 million at a dinosaur skull, pygmy heads, and two European castles. He's living his life, though, do you know what I mean? Good for him. He, he does bought, what he wants. <laughs> he's bought many, many bizarre items, such as a nine-foot-tall burial tomb, an what? octopus, um, a $150 million, no, 150000 150,000 Superman comic and a 70 million year old dinosaur skull, but he had he did have to return the dinosaur skull to the Mongolian government. Um, <laughs> Downer. And yeah, he, he owned some castles, he owned a lot of stuff, and despite his financial ruin, Cage doesn't regret all of his pur- purchases. <laughs> Absolute you have, legend. <laughs> you have good investments and bad investments, he says. The good investments came from personal interest and my honest enjoyment of the history. Oh, he's, he's just a historian, guys. He's just a man who wants to spend his hard-earned money on things that make him happy. And if, if those things are skulls, not human mind, if those things are skulls or fossils and they rack him into a bit of debt, just give, him, give the guy a bit of help. You know, let him do these kind of films so that he can continue to enjoy his octopus pet. Yeah, like, like, I, think, you... I think now you asked me at the start, like, what's the draw to Nicolas Cage? And that has just reminded me. Like, you don't give a fuck. You don't want what wants. Yeah. And it's kind of, I have the same draw to Jason Statham right. as well. And it relates more to the films now, I think, as well. Like, they just make the kind of films that I think they'd want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Statham definitely does. And I think. Nicolas Cage is now aware of what he's become known for and what people want from him. Yeah. And I think he also really enjoys doing it because, yeah, I, I just think he does what he wants to do and he's he's cornered a market now yeah. doing it. <laughs> he can probably live out his days doing this same shit over and over again. And nobody's going to complain and he can buy all the schools that he wants to. <laughs> now, can't he? I mean, it is such a cooler story. Like, oh... 
the celebrity in ruin because they lost their money to gambling and drugs. No, yeah. mate, I lost it because I bought some castles yeah. and a giant fucking dinosaur skull. Yeah. He was enjoying the good times. Don't knock him for that. <laughs> so what if he didn't set up an ISA? Do you think he cared? <laughs> if, <laughs> there's going to be so many silences, bro. I'm just like screaming. You can't breathe when you're laughing. Oh my God, I can't. Yeah, thank. Like, I just really appreciate that insight into into the kind of guy that Nick Cage is. And you're right. Like, no matter what he does now, people are gonna be like, "Oh God, I wonder what this one's like." And he's gonna, they're gonna pay the money. So, but as you say, I think um, just from sort of, like, I haven't seen a lot of his recent stuff, but sounds like he's on a bit of an upward trajectory at the moment. Is 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 doing some good stuff at the minute? I think. I mean, like he's had moments like even during this mm. he's had moments where i think the films have been all right and i, I don't think in fairness the, the, the i think the effect that it's had on his reputation um mm. with sort of film snobs is probably more damaging than the films he's actually done mm. yeah cuz i mean look every actor does these kinds of films where they've just got to pay the bills. Yeah. Everybody does it, you know. It's a job. Some it's people, day, like Exa- exactly, exactly. And I think, like you look, especially when they start getting older, or you, you can have a role that just it does something to your career in some way. You know, I think everybody doesn't, but I just think Nicolas Cage had a particularly bad run with mm. them. Mm. But Keanu Reeves did as well, I think. Like, until sort of... When you look at Keanu Reeves, like, his filmography, there's some dark times there. Like, we all forget about The Lake House. Yeah. I haven't seen... I feel like I've barely seen any Keanu Reeves and Nick Cage films. I've never actually seen The Lake House. I know the plot. (laughs) And, like, what the fuck, man? That is a stupid film. I'm sorry if you love it. It might be great. That sounds like a stupid film. The fact you just described it is that makes me want to see it more than if you'd have described it as good, so... You have a problem, Daisy. You have a problem. <laughs> there was one thing about sort of the reception of the film that I wanted to touch back upon because we were talking a little bit about it earlier in terms of like who is this for film wise in terms of like what is the message, you know, is this are they implying that being religious is is the the outcome that they want people to want and things like this, you know. So from like a uh, a Christianity or like a Christian viewer's point of view, there was a Christian magazine called Christianity Today. Um, they majorly criticised the film and basically said um, that it's not a Christian film, whatever a Christian film could could mean. Um, most of the, as we said, most of the Christians within the movie are portrayed as uh, crazy, delusional, and at the very least, just really annoying. Um, but <laughs> essentially, the view is that the filmmakers wanted like churches to book out. Uh, like whole theatres and take their congregations you know and want people you know want magazines like that to publish like big long form features and things like that um which you know working in the PR industry entertainment wise that is exactly what they would have wanted they would take a theme and be like right go to that specific area of audiences and really like go hard in it um but basically what what the uh, the critic of the magazine said 
is that um, they basically want to do all that, take all the cash, but they don't actually care about the Christian belief at all, obviously. They just want people who are Christian to trick, like, be tricked into caring about this film um, when there's actually no... There's not really any weight to the, the, the Christianity or religion. It was very hollow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, they uh, they tried to give the film zero stars, but their tech system wouldn't allow it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it'd be interesting. Obviously, I don't know if any and like we always want to hear from people who are in sort of different groups and communities when there are, you know, not more than a mention, but like when when these are sort of covered in these films. Obviously, we said that. Clay, you said you are religious to a certain extent. Me, me and Kira said that we're not. It'd be interesting to see um, from our listeners, you know, if you are Christian, you've seen this film, you know, what your view on it is. Because I think that's so important to kind of understand and see from different perspectives and stuff as well. But yeah, I thought that was quite an interesting take <laughs> from, from that magazine. I had a review from um, a critic called Monica Costello and she kind of said very similar things, like just one small section of it she says like the in-your-face christianity of the first movie is really watered down so that it will appeal to non-religious audiences but at the same time then it risks distancing like the book's loyal fan base and the movie with a mission can't pretend to serve two different audiences (laughs) it can't pretend to be for a non-religious and a religious and that is in some ways where it fails and I do think that she kind of nailed it yeah and that it reminds me I don't know if you guys watch it's always sunny in Philadelphia but there's a moment when the one of the guys in it is pretending to be on both sides in a religious debate and he goes see I'm playing both sides so I always come out on top (laughs) and it's just the funniest thing and it just reminds me of this now um but you're right if you lose your integrity into either side and you start to please everyone then you're going to please no one and it's just you know this yeah. happens in films a lot it happens a lot more so more recently um I know Claire that you spoke a little bit about the sequels but you didn't mention something that I really wanted to touch upon because it's uh got a little mention for something that we uh we've spoken about recently so there was another film as part of the series that was developed by I believe it's the the author's grandson titled mm-hmm. Vanished Dash Left Behind colon Next Generation um, which oh was God. released um so the, they said the film was intended to be kind of like at the beginning of a new contemporary film series drawing inspiration from the twilight saga being marketed for yeah. younger audiences a wa version not wa why i don't know why why oh, my brain is just mush <laughs> a, a version of left behind um I don't know if you you read anything about that film or you managed to. I didn't read anything more than just just that, but it did lead me to question. Like, wait, I thought all the kids because the plot of the film is a teenager and her younger sibling are left to fend for themselves after the rapture, and then they team up with some other teenagers and try and like live their lives. But I was like, wait, but I thought all the kids were raptured, mm. and I was like, what's the cutoff point between you're a kid and you can't be evil, and oh, you're old enough now, yeah. you can be evil, you have to stay. What was what's the cut off? Maybe they explore that because that's basically apparently the film pulls plot points from a, one of the spin off book series called Left Behind, colon, The Kids. <laughs> I just love these names. <laughs> these names are. So maybe oh, that was um, a choice made in the new film to rapture all the kids. Yeah. Maybe that was a. Interesting. Mm. Definitely interesting. <laughs> so Not interesting enough to make me rewatch. <laughs> That would be a fair summary. <laughs> what 
do we think then? I'm kind of intrigued now to hear what everyone's sort of ratings are. You know, do we? Well, I've got some letterbox. Oh reviews, yeah, of course. We're dive into dive into the letterbox for us. All right, so I have one from Dawson Joyce who gave it half a star. Left Behind is not only religious pandering at its finest, but also one of the most ineptly crafted, brutally boring and atrocious films I've ever had the displeasure of sitting through, with terrible performances, even from Nicolas Cage, who clearly tries hard but looks like he's in pain when trying to spew out his god-awful dialogue, horrible writing and editing, poor cinematography and direction, insufferable characters and horrendous production values. Why doesn't he tell us what he really thinks? (laughs) Um, and then two more which I just loved um, from Ralphie131 who also gave it half a star and said how is this not the worst movie of all time to which we tell you Ralphie it's only the 34th <laughs> worst movie of all time there are 33 worst and uh, half a star from Lisa who said if God doesn't care about these people then why should I <laughs> good one I realised as well, I just completely skipped over. I had, I had a few letterbox ones as well. Um, so Todd said, quote, Jordan Sparks, a delight, but not a good actress. <laughs> um, Caleb said, I don't even think John the Apostle could have foreseen the making of Left Behind. <laughs> and there were actually a few. Um, oh, and I did quote this one from Yawn earlier. Um, there happens exactly one thing in this entire movie and it is not good. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few like genuine I mean I I'm I'm still torn whether they're genuine five star reviews or <laughs> whether they are like top level like sarcasm because they are really long long form reviews yeah and I'm a bit like, I couldn't decide I couldn't decide but I mean some of the quotes are the best plain film I've ever seen Nicolas Cage is a great film actor there was lots of explosions very professional I mean, I can't argue if the explosions are very professional because I couldn't see them. I mean, they've <laughs> a lot of facts there, I think. I, I feel like it's not so much an opinion. It's just a list of, you know... Cold, hard facts. ...truth items about the film. Yeah. Like in Friends when they go and see Joey's plays and they're like, the costumes <laughs> were great! You were in a play! <laughs> this was a film, Nick Cage was in it. There were explosions. <laughs> Just to summarise. And um, check, check, Bad said, can't wait for the Criterion release. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And also, we didn't mention Razzies. Yeah, Indiegogo. So, Left Behind was nominated for three Razzies at the 35th Golden Raspberry Awards for Worst Picture, Worst Screenplay and Worst Actor for Nicolas Cage. But it lost in all three categories to Saving Christmas. Um, another one is, of us. It list? is on our list, but we're oh, saving great. for the festive season. Uh, Can't wait. <laughs> and the uh, the star of that's Kirk Cameron, who coincidentally starred in the original Left Behind film franchise. We've got ourselves a bottom one hundred universe, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there we go. Cinematic there universe. We go. <laughs> okay. The gift you never asked for. <laughs> yeah. Do we ever ask for them though? Really? The cinematic well, universes? Regardless, you're getting them anyway. Awesome. Should we should we give our ratings? Kira, do you want to go first? Tell us what your rating is of the film um, and whether you think it deserves to be on the bottom 100. Ooh. I mean, having not seen the rest of the 99 films on the bottom 100 <laughs> list, I'm not in the best informed position 
to say definitively either or. But I think I would probably give this a very generous two stars out of five. Don't ask me what the logic is behind that. I just I feel like two out of five is a good number. And also, going forward, I think I'm going to appreciate a Ryanair flight a lot more. Because <laughs> whatever you say about them, that's never happened. <laughs> These people don't disappear and leave their clothes. Your 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 luggage might join the rapture, but you don't. It's true. It is true. All right. Yeah. I mean, I I'm gonna go for a two two out of five as well. Like, I really don't think this was a great film. It was pretty poor. Um, there were some good bits in it, as we've spoken about. There were some so bad. It's good moments, but I mean, I would say yeah, bottom one hundred for this because it was a bit. It was a bit crap. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think for me, like, regardless of quality, like, I massive things like whether I enjoy it. Like, it's boring. I did have, I did have like an, an ironically like good time because it was so terrible, like just yeah. ripping the piss. Yeah, out of yeah, it. yeah, absolutely. So that's probably it. Gets the two stars from me probably more because of just how I tore it a new yeah. one. You know, it's weird though because I, I agree with you like in the enjoyment aspect but then I'm also thinking but it was so boring as well like it yeah. was just like a weird mix where it was just, overall yeah. was just not a very tense or interesting film but then there were just moments in it where you literally cackle and you're like what the, what the fuck is happening yeah. right now I'm, I'm sorry what happened to me now <laughs> yeah it's um it's 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 stirred up mixed feelings yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think though? I'm confused though I'm torn between one and two, so I'm gonna go one point five, bang in the middle. Um, because yeah, I'm genuinely not sure if the writer of this film has ever spoken to living humans, <laughs> and I don't know if the director has ever lived in the real world. Um, so Chad Michael Murray gets my one yeah. star for being a beautiful specimen of a man, though I think he's a bit <laughs> of a douche in real life, so he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, oh. if he is a douche in real life. I'm sorry, maybe he doesn't deserve them. But he was pretty to look at. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was boring. It contained some of the worst acting I've there ever was seen. No there was no antichrist. <laughs> um it was for all intents and purposes a bad film and it wasn't even entertaining mm. in the effort. I don't think it ever like we talk about could anything have saved yeah. this. I think the only thing that could have saved this would have been a stronger supporting cast. Right. But even then, I think the script and the content of the film is so poor that I don't even know of a better cast could have done it. I was going to say when it. you said that, what could save this, I was going to be like, a complete Meryl rewrite. <laughs> yeah. the, no, but- Meryl Streep. <laughs> Who would you have cast Meryl Streep as? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you just said, like, what does it need? And I just thought... Meryl! She could be the Antichrist! Yeah, oh my god! Miranda Priestley 2.0. The devil wears Prada and she flies on planes. I would have liked to have seen if Ashley Tisdale hadn't dropped out, her as Nicolas Cage's daughter, but I'm glad for her she Mm. dropped out. I don't think she needed I don't think it would have helped, given she's from Disney, kind of like Mm. for her credentials as an actress. I don't really know what she's done. In the last ten or fifteen years, she, she was a she turned up in Sons of Anarchy. I did recognise oh, really? her, and she was a, yeah, oh. she was a hooker in that as well. I was like, mm, somebody grew up. <laughs> I, I don't know actually. She's done some films and she's done some TV, but nothing mm. big. She has some babies, 
um, you know, she seems to be living her life and yeah, I you know, pottering along. She's, she seems happy. She's gorgeous. She's clearly got money. So good for her. Good for you not doing this film, Ashley. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we commend you. Cool. So I'm guessing we're burning this and not saving it. Burning it in the flames of the airplane that didn't crash because the film whipped out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't have the budget for that, I'm afraid. Um, cool. So should we talk about some Nicolas Cage films that we do like? Obviously, we yes. like to talk about our top picks based on the theme of the of the episode. What should we do? Kira, did you want to go before us or would you like us to go first and then you can um, add in some, some thoughts about perhaps ones that we haven't spoken about? Yeah, you you can go first, okay. and I'll follow. Suit. I mean, I I'll go first because I've just put my hands up. I've barely seen any Nicolas Cage film, so I'm concerned about this too. Because aside from this, I've only seen four. So if you, I didn't, three... I didn't count how many, but it wasn't far off that. And I'm like, how though? Because I'm so like, I know this man, but yet I've not seen him. <laughs> do you want to try and do one at a time okay. and i'll try and not pick the ones that you've picked and see how far i get it's <laughs> it's like fun Daisy versus Blair. when we're asking people to vote for their favorite we're not even sure we like the ones we've picked <laughs> no in fairness i do like the ones i picked okay. the four that i the four that i have i really no, like, I do like and i do like the ones i've picked but i didn't have a lot to pick from so then there are two that I've seen bits of, but I could not confirm that I've seen the whole movie from start to finish, so mm. I don't feel yeah, right yeah, fair play. including them. Fair play. There we go. There's my catchphrase. Got to have it in there somewhere. <laughs> okay, I'll do one. I can do one first. This is one okay. of mine that I knew from the start without even looking for his filmography that I wanted to pick in my top. I haven't done these in any order, by the way. These ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go for National Treasure. <laughs> <laughs> waving her fist at me um good family fun good family fun listen wild they try and steal the declaration of independence like what a great plot yeah it, it don't seem that wild anymore though <laughs> no it? i what mean no. <laughs> in 2021 it does not <laughs> like i'm not is it really that impressive anymore i don't think so <laughs> oh kira's like sit down nick cage i'm not impressed yeah Get back on a plane. <laughs> Stick to what you know, son. <laughs> but at the time growing up, this was just a really fun. This was Jerry mm-hmm. Bruckheimer, right? Produced film. I think so. It's yeah. just this that kind of tone with that time period was just very very fun. And yeah, good supporting cast. What is J- Justin, Justin Bartha? I was about to get oh, still my he heart. Anything, and I will laugh it up. Um, Have you ever seen the film The Rebound? Oh god, don't uh, speak to me no, about that film. Okay. I love that film, Kira. So you, 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 <laughs> No, 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 no. I've just got a story about oh, that film. Oh yeah, still we'll save, we'll save that for after the pod. <laughs> <laughs> um but it's a rom com starring Justin Bartha and Catherine Zeta Jones. There are plenty yeah. of people who do not think it's a good film and you can have your own opinions, but Justin <laughs> Bartha, good lord, he's so dreamy. He's uh, so dreamy. He does he definitely brings his dreaminess but also he's just a fun character in this film as well yeah. i just think yeah mm-hmm. i just think it's great it's nice it's nostalgic it still holds up for me personally i think it's a lot of fun sean bean's in it as well he's great so yeah that's my first it's a, it's a great film i remember seeing it in the cinema i loved it it definitely at one point owned it on dvd i don't know if i still do but it's on disney it's plus this one um right i'm gonna be strategic then <laughs> like battleships <laughs> Well, I only had four options and you just took one. 
<laughs> so I'm gonna go for kick-ass. Oh no! <laughs> yes. I only had three options, and you've chosen that my other one. Okay, fine. I'm gonna have to go for. Um, I know what my backup is, but it's yeah. Anyway, go on. God, please tell me your backup's gonna be the same as my next. For <laughs> God's so- sake, it is isn't it? Oh. Um, we're we're a similar ilk. Kick-ass. It's amazing. He gets to play Batman. Um, basically, he's great in it. He takes it so seriously. What a His dad. line readings in it are just amazing. The way he says it's brilliant. <laughs> um, it's a genius film. I love everything about it. The whole cast are great. It's so well directed. Um, the second one's a bit shit. Technically, the second one is a bit shit because of the source material. But I think actually we should just blame it on the fact that Nicolas Cage didn't return. Yeah. So maybe but um yeah love kick-ass my second one was kick-ass as well i rewatched it recently okay. and it's just again fun like yeah. it's so explicit and the violence is just ugh. but nick cage is just like he's just he steals the spotlight in that even away <laughs> from chloe grace moretz who is amazing as hit girl like whenever he's yeah like you say he gets to be batman he has a lot of fun with it he comes in he does his stuff and then he's out boom yeah, great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my third choice then is something called the uh, something called the trust. It's it's Ooh. very, I would say it's very unknown. I'm allowed to say that because I did the PR for it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a film with him and Elijah Wood, and it's a heist film. I want to rewatch it because I don't remember a ton about it, but I remember being really surprised by how much how much fun I had with it and how it was just very very campy in moments. Just knew what it was and. You know, they were there, they were being paid and they kind of just had fun with it. Um, but yeah, it was one of um, when I did home end, some cinema releases, but mainly home end releases in PR back in the beginning of my career. This was one of two Nicolas Cage films that I had to do the PR for. This was one I, um, we got to do, oh no, we got screening room for both. But this one, I got to bring some guests. My mum and my auntie came along to the screening. And um, I think that they enjoyed it too. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure if it's streaming on anything, but I mean, if if you're a Nick Cage fan and, you know, you know, we were saying about sort of like filling in the blanks of filmographies and stuff, Give this one a go because, I, I mean, I, I had fun with it and it's just, it's got Elijah Wood in as well. So good, 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 uh, good two leads there. The other film is actually the one that I did PR for is actually the one that I said is the worst film that I've ever, 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 ever seen <laughs> called Pay the Ghost. Um, so you can, you can see why I had a bit of a tough time picking my favourite, um, favourite Nick Cage films considering the other one was the worst film I've ever seen. And then I did another one as a review when I used to write for a film website, which was also absolutely terrible, called Army of One. So I didn't really have a oh, lot God. to choose from. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's go with National Treasure, Kick-Ass and The Trust for me. Okay, I'm going to go with National Treasure 2. Oh, you didn't go for the one I thought you were going to go for. No, uh, I don't know what one you thought it's I was going to go for. That's my number three. <laughs> So I go for National Treasure 2 and Into the Spider-Verse, which feels like a cheat, but it's either Into the Spider-Verse or National Treasure, and I feel like let's be a bit varied and let's not pick National Treasure and National Treasure 2 in my same thing. Um, But National Treasure 2, just as National Treasure 1, was great. I thought you were going to say, just as National Treasury. (laughs) It is just as National Treasury. There is treasure, there are nations. It was international, this one. 
It should have been international treasure. Oh, oh. Um, oh, but yeah, Justin Bartha returns. So teenage Claire and now adult Claire, delighted. Oh. Get to meet Nick Cage's mum, even though they made it very clear she was dead in the first film. <laughs> <laughs> they go to Paris. They steal lots of stuff. It's a great adventure. Um, they're both great films. And then Into the Spider-Verse is a bit of a cheat, but it's, I've only seen four Nicolas Cage films. So that's my <laughs> option. He is great as Spider-Man Noir. Again, very similar to Kick-Ass. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a fucking awesome film. But I think Nicolas Cage's role in it is equally part of what makes it so brilliant. It would be a different film if Nicolas Cage was not in that mm. role. So it can count. <laughs> I'm making it count. <laughs> Cool. I'm intrigued to see what Kira's choices are. As I said, he did have some decent films, like during his dark days. <laughs> and one of them is a film called Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Ooh. Now, I believe there is some link to a film that Werner Herzog did either back in the 70s or 80s where Harvey Keitel played the Bad Lieutenant. But the two are very different films. And it has exactly what you'd think Nicolas Cage would bring to a role like that. It's basically this unhinged detective. And, you know, he's got problems going on. He's (laughs) devoted to the job, but the cost, at what cost? Right. And, yeah, he's got a bit of an addiction to painkillers, which has blossomed into an addiction to other drugs. And, yeah, he sees a lot of shit in that film. And Val Kilmer's in it as well, and Eva Mendes, and it, it is actually, like, it's quality. Oh. I think you would enjoy it. It was on, like, Prime or something a little while ago. I don't know if it's still there now. But, yeah, I, I really, I sought that one out back when I had my first sort of cage awakening. <laughs> and, yeah, I, it still is, like, a firm favourite nice. of his films. Around the same time, 2013, so this is like, we're right in the dark days. (laughs) And he did a film called The Frozen Ground, which is based on a true story of some serial killer who was going around Alaska. Now, it's got quite quite an average score, but I don't know if that's possibly based more on the fact that it was a true story and people didn't realise how faithful it was. or I don't know what the deal is, but I liked that film. And it was <laughs> it was quite funny because my friend watched it recently and she was like messaging me. She was like, I'm feeling sexually attracted to Nicolas Cage and I don't know why and I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> that is a scary time. <laughs> and then, oh God, I'm not, I'm going to move out of three films. Oh, no, this is it. quite, this quite I want to hear them. Yeah, because so, we flopped. So yeah, you can, you can <laughs> stop Twitter being right. mad at us. Yeah, I will carry this list like Nicolas Cage carried Left Behind. So in 2018, this is when we sort of saw, you know, the Cage renaissance. Mm. And we had a film called Mandy. And this is like, you know, this is where Nicolas Cage realised what people wanted from him. And he was like, well, you want it, you can fucking have it. (laughs) You want it, I'll give it you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You want Sam, I'll give it you. (laughs) Right, so that's, that's... horrendous um and it's just great like i watched it and it's really like i would hate to you know i had no alcohol in my system at the time but i cannot imagine what it would have been like to have watched it after like a few beverages 
or if you're into other things <laughs> like if you were just kind of on the same wavelength as that film when you're watching it like i i can't imagine what the experience would have been like and it was so far I told, I, there's naked people and there's colors and there's <laughs> nicholas cage screaming and he gets hammered and you seem like probably like <laughs> losing his mind and um all in the y fronts as well Brilliant. like telling you he knows what people want to see <laughs> Um, and also gives you a little bit on top whether you asked for it or not um, and yeah like I straight away I watched it and I told one of my mates about it and then they were like what the fuck have you just made me watch <laughs> but they enjoyed it all the same even though they didn't know what they'd seen there you go so that's really mm-hmm. good and that's like really like not ironic love for that I mean none of these films I don't love any of these films ironically they are genuinely quality you know dare i say cinema <laughs> um probably in the very loosest sense um and then obviously i think just as like an honorable mention whilst we're on the subject of nicholas cage and planes i think connor like if you're not really acquainted with nicholas cage films if you're going to start anywhere you start with connor like that is the epitome of nicholas cage um die hard on a plane pretty much it's even got you know the horrible sweaty dirty grubby vest as well <laughs> yeah I don't, like fantastic film i rewatched it with my dad recently and it holds up and there's so many other great people in it like it's just it's absolutely a 90s bin fire that's john malkovich isn't it <gasps> yeah yeah it's, i've it's... seen the first half of it it got my media studies teacher as someone who then became a media studies teacher i now understand why she did it and um, my media studies teacher just one day put it on for an hour and that was our oh, lesson God. but then we never finished it and we did say like can we not finish it and she was like oh no you can finish it in your own oh, time she give it you take, take us away um but so i do regret i've never seen the end of it because i did really enjoy it <laughs> i just don't know like yeah that face off and city of angels I've seen at least 50% of all of them, but I can't include any mm. of them because I've never done the whole... Not ever. I just don't even know how I've not managed to see so many of his films. But I think maybe it's because I think that I've seen loads of his films, so I don't go out of my way to see more. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, is they... <laughs> the Nicolas Cage aspect, I think, transcends a lot of the films that he's <laughs> yeah. in. Like, not to make the man seem like a mythical beast or anything, <laughs> You can kind of feel like you've seen a Nicolas Cage yeah. film based on what you've heard yeah, yeah. without even seeing yeah, it. Exactly. Hit the nail on the head there, I think. I do feel like I do want to watch loads more, though. I've seen, actually, I've just looked at his filmography on Letterboxd and uh, I've just clicked to see how much is streaming. 39 of his films are streaming, so, I mean, you've got yourselves a day and a half there. But, yeah, no, I feel like I need to need to delve into more i don't know if there's loads any more of his on the bottom 100 though i believe he appears three times oh, that's not too bad for someone like nicholas cage considering you know a lot of people do not like his certain so things of his the most from what i remember when i did it when we launched this might be wrong or it might have changed um paris hilton Lindsay lohan and um nick cage all of them appear three times in the list each so they are our unholy trinity. Oh my god! We've done Lindsay, we've done Nick, so we need to do a Paris Hilton film. We do. I mean, I need it like a, a hole in the head, but <laughs> <laughs> a hottie in the naughty. 
Oh dear, yeah. Maybe I'll go on a bit of a a Nick Cage thon at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, st- I really do want to see Mandy, and I know that I need to see Connor because we should before we do our next Nick Cage film, we should put aside some time and try and watch some new Nick Cage yeah, films well, so that we can do our second round yeah, of Nick Cage. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do that. So I think that wraps it up for us from us for this episode there we go um but obviously we really want to hear everyone's thoughts about the film about what they thought about the episode and of course what they think about nick cage himself do you also think this this film deserves a place on the bottom 100 if you have seen it or uh, is there some are there some fans out there of left behind would love to know you can find us on twitter and instagram at w rated pod and on letterbox at w rated Kira, can you tell us where we can find you on socials and if you have anything you want to share with the listeners at all that we could check out? Yeah, so um, you can find me on Twitter at Kira C underscore 98. It's the same on Instagram as well, but the underscore comes before, before the C and I always forget this <laughs> and this is why it confuses me. I'm just, I'm just here, I'm living life, you know. Post some of the photos I take, post some of the pictures I draw, just talk about some of the things that happen in my otherwise very mundane life. And yeah, I occasionally write on my website, uh, Cinematique, and you can find that on the internet because it's a website. <laughs> on Twitter as well, Cinematique underscore UK, because Cinematique was already taken when I signed it. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> and Claire, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Claire Ellen Hope, Claire without an I, on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. So thank you everyone for listening. We really appreciate you guys interacting with us on social and and tuning in, um, whether that's whatever films that you fancy watching or you've seen before. And I know a few people have been really, um, really big fans and and been listening every week. So we really appreciate that. Um, If you haven't already, give us a follow or subscribe. And if you are so inclined, a lovely rating and a review. We'd love to hear what you think. And then you can join us next episode where we'll be diving into another film on the bottom 100. Thanks for listening. Bye.